For to be sure he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise we are weak in him, yet by God's power we will live with him to serve you. We've been talking about uh, sin for the last few weeks and about the disease of sin and, and, and light, likening it to uh, the coronavirus that we're involved with. And uh, at this point, we want to uh, kind of change our sequence of events and talk a little bit more about the cure than we are about the, the uh, disease. But even so, the text that we read in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 4, and I'll read it again in the King James translation, says that though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. We, we need, in order for us to to meet some of the challenges in our lives, as a matter of fact, to meet all the important challenges in our lives, we need power. And I'm going to demonstrate in just a minute that it's not power that you have within you because of who you are, but it's power that God gives you apart from who you are. We set out as a church, as people who are interested in God, we set out on a journey together. We hear that a lot on TV now. We're all in this together, which means that we're all in a big crisis together. But I want to remind you that we are all, as believers in Jesus Christ, we're all together in Him. And we're all attempting to live our lives above the chaos of this world. We're all trying to change our character. We're all trying to get better. We're all trying to improve. Now sin is our big enemy and sin is, is destroying our ability to improve our character. And yet it is God who wants our character improved. He wants us to get better. Paul said, and this is the problem really, Paul said that evil men shall wax worse and worse. We would like to think that the world is getting better that the world is solving the problem of sin. It is not overall. Evil men are waxing worse and worse. Things are getting worse in terms of the spread of sin. And it's going to take a real effort by the individual to elevate himself or herself above the problem of sin and to ennoble our character. I heard on TV last week, and you probably did too, uh, Governor Cuomo made a statement that I thought was appropriate. He said, in this crisis, we're seeing the best and the worst come out in us. Mm -hmm. And that's correct. The best is people who are acting out of love for their neighbor, attempting to control the virus. And the worst is individuals are trying to profit by the misery of others. Now, when Jesus came to this earth, he didn't come to, to make a better place physically for us. He came to make us better people, basically. So we're looking for the best in ourselves, or we should be. And that's what Jesus came to do. Now, Jesus did not come to this earth and say, oh, everybody's in sin. He didn't come 
as it were, to a hospital, like a doctor might come in the hospital and say, hey, everybody's sick. That's not why Jesus came. Matter of fact, John chapter 3 at verse 17 says, when Jesus came, that God sent him not to condemn the world, but to save the world. So Jesus didn't come down and say, you're going to hell. Jesus came down to say, I'm going to keep you from going to hell. And the same thing in John chapter 12, verse 47, Jesus said, He came not to judge us, but to save us. So He didn't come to point out how bad a condition we're in. He came to point us to a way that we can improve our condition. We know and have known for a long time that we need to be improved. Our character needs to be improved. Our habits need to be improved. We need to get better as we live our lives. The old philosophers tried to develop different philosophies that would help us get better and point us to different ways that we could live and, and conduct our lives so that we could become better people and, and improve ourselves. And some of you may be aware, and I think most of us are aware, of the fact that there are so many self-help books on the market now that it is almost overwhelming. Now, it didn't start recently. It's been going on for a long time. There was a fellow by the name of Norman Vincent Peale that you may recognize the name, and he, he was born in the last, not the last century, the century before that. He was born in 1888, I think. And he wrote a book called The Power of Positive Thinking. Then he wrote 46 other books along the same line. Self-help books to improve yourself, make you a better person. Dale Carnegie wrote a book called How to Win Friends and Influence Others. And that's a self-improvement book. And then you, you have people lecturing all over the country, both on this continent and in Europe and elsewhere, on how to improve yourself as an individual. Self-improvement. Tony Robbins had a couple of books called Unleashing the Power. Your self-improvement, how you can improve yourself. And another one is called Unlimited Power. Now you can read an, any number of books on how to improve your marriage, how to improve your workplace, how to improve your vocalization of how you refer and speak to other people. All sorts of ideas of self-improvement. So that we're, we're given to understand that we can actually make ourselves better. Focus on the ways and means of thinking and acting in order to alter our life's trajectory. So we can have a better education. Maybe we can have a better marriage, a better profession, a better personal accomplishment. But all the self-help books do not focus on what's really important. And what is really as important is changing our basic character not a few simple habits, but our character. And sometimes when we talk about it, it, we talk about it in terms of nature or nurture. Are you good because of nature or because you've been taught to be good? Are you evil because of nature or because you're taught to be evil? So there's a big con controversy over that. What we do know is this, that your basic character who you are, cannot be changed or altered, and I, this, I'm going to make this point very clear, 
by yourself or by the intervention of someone else. Sometimes when a young girl is going with a young boy and the young boy is sort of a bad boy, she thinks she can change him. She can change his character. And most of us know, most of the time, that doesn't happen. You cannot change somebody else. You can't even change yourself without outside extraneous help. You can't do it. Extra help. Now, change isn't, when we talk about changing a character, it's not as simple as commanding someone to change a habit. Quit biting your fingernails. That's a simple statement, isn't it? Stop fretting. There there are other expressions that you may have heard when you were a kid. Like, straighten up and fly right. Or later, get your act together. So that parents are trying to tell their children to do things that they should be doing in order to improve their character. But sometimes it it, it gets deeper than that. People will, will make the statement, you need to stop gambling. And the gambler says... I can't. You need to stop drinking. It's, it's hurting your health. And the drinker says, I can't. You, you need to start cursing. And the cursor says, I, it just comes out. Well, you need to quit cheating. But the time comes when the temptation is there, and we cheat. So it's not a simple matter of don't do this, and therefore you can change my character, and I can change yours. It's not possible. Basically, it can't be done. We think that we can do it, and we think that we can change other people, but we can't always do that. As a matter of fact, most of the time we can't change it at all. What I'm going to say is, I cannot change you, period. I can't. I can't change your habits. I, can't ch- I certainly cannot change your character. If you throw temper fits, I can't change that. I can't change it. I may tiptoe around you and try to keep you from losing your temper and do everything I can, carry you around on a pillow so that you don't lose your temper and get angry and throw a fit, but I can't change you. And basically, you can't change yourself. Self-improvement? These are things that actually, if you've been accustomed to it, you know it's impossible for you to make that change without help. And I'm going to say it now, without divine help. You can't do it without divine help. I can't control your tongue. You're going to say things that you're going to regret. And I can't get you to stop that. And you can't get me to stop it. I'm not sure that I can stop it. I will always regret saying some things that I shouldn't have said. And it's like I can't help myself. Now, we we sometimes dismiss that quickly and say, oh yeah, you can help yourself. That's not true. There are things that we cannot help ourselves. We cannot help from doing. Can't help from losing our temper. We can't help from using bad language. It's ingrained in us somehow. We can't keep our thoughts pure. We, We can't get off of drugs and alcohol addiction. We need help. And we know that, really, don't we? We know that a person who is accustomed to a uh, happy hour will not break that happy hour habit. They just won't do it. It's in their character. It's ingrained in them. So we can say, quit that. 
Stop that. You're hurting everybody. And we can tell the drunk, stop that. Quit beating your wife. Quit making disaster at home. Quit raising your hand to your children, making them dodge every time you raise your arm and they flinch. We, we can't tell a person, stop that, and they'll do it. Now that's what God said in the Old Testament. He said, stop that. Stop it. Do not, what? Do not steal. That didn't stop it. Do not commit adultery, a fornication. That didn't stop it. It doesn't work. Now, we had to find that out, and so through the history of the Old Testament, we found that out, that we can't do it. But now we, we need to know that. We can't do it. We can't do it by ourselves. We can't stop our sexual impulses. We can't control those by ourselves, and you can't control mine. You can't get me to quit what I'm involved in. You can't do it, and I can't do it for you. I, I tell people this all the time. Uh, I have over the years. They've come to me and said, can you help me do this? Now, generally I'll say no. <laughs> I, I don't have the power to help you overcome this. I'll tell you who does. His name is Jesus. Now, He can do it. You know why? Because He has the power. I don't have the power. I can't stop it. I can't do it for you. I can point you to someone who can. We can't, we can't stop our selfish attitude. We can't overcome that. I can't get you to be an unselfish person. Loosen up your purse strings. I can't do that. I can preach. I can teach. I can talk. I can, I can shame you. But until you change yourself, and I change myself, selfish attitude will stay there. Our kleptomania, stealing things, our egotism, our duplicity, our hatred and our bigotry, our jealousy and our pride, our greed, our dour and sour attitude. I can't make you happy. I can run around telling you jokes all day. I can try to make you smile, everything I do, and I can walk around on eggshells trying to make you a good, nice, happy person. It's not going to work. I can't do that. And you can't do it either. If you're that type of person, you're not going to change. And you're not going to become more patient on the freeway. Your impatience when you stand in line is still going to be there. Why? Because you cannot effect that deep down character change that needs to be made by divine intervention. Now that's quite a word, isn't it? How does it work? We're going to, we're going to talk about this morning. We're going, to use, we're going to go to a how-to session. How does this work? I want to tell you, it works. It works. You can change. Not yourself. There's no such thing as self-improvement. But you can change because someone can change you. Change your actual, basic, fundamental character. He, he can do it. Now the power to change, God has given us. In Ephesians chapter 3 at verse 20, Paul wrote this. Now, I'm, I'm talking to Bible believers. I'm talking to people who believe what the Bible says about change and about whatever subject it touches upon. And this is the one that, that we have talked about. How do I change? And I, let me just pause here before we get too far along. I'm going to have to change if I'm going to be a guest in God's house in eternity. You know, it's sometimes said, if you really want to get to know someone, 
Have them live with you for a few days, sometimes a few months. See if you can get along. Okay, I'm going to have to change if God is going to let me be a guest in his house in eternity. Jesus said, I've got many mansions. My father has many mansions and I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house. If Jesus is in my house, in my heart now, he's a guest in my house, he will prepare me to be a guest in his house. Okay. That's the way it's going to work. Okay. Ephesians chapter 3 at verse 20 says, Now to him that is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. There's power. He has given us power. So what I'm saying is, you can experience a change in your character. If you've been a violent person, you can be changed. Not by yourself. Your mate can't do it. Your environment can't do it. But there is power that God has given to make and affect that change in you. And only through Him we can do it. Whatever we need to affect a radical and complete change of our underlying character, God will give it to us. Now Paul said this. Paul had a problem. He said he had a thorn in the flesh. And, and this, this is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. He said, I've got a thorn in my flesh. Something's going on. He was having a problem. He probably didn't have a sticker in his side, a blueberry thorn. He had something going on in his character. And he said, I can't overcome it. I just can't get over it. And God, he said, I've, I've asked God three times to take this away from me. Three times I've asked him. And God replied and said, My grace is, is good enough for you. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I am weak, I am strong. What, what's he say? He said, when I, Paul, am weak, because Paul can't do it, then I am strong because Jesus is doing it. Now that's, that's what he's saying. Let's look at some other text here as we, as we move along. So we need the power to change. I can't do it by myself. I simply can't. I can't get over some of the things we've mentioned. And you can think of all the things, all the problems that you have in your life. And don't look at other people. Look at yourself. Don't look at me. You can, I, I, I think I can figure out what's wrong with me. And you can figure out what's wrong with you. But and when, when I look at you, I say, well, I, if I could just get you to do this or get you to do that. That's, that's not my business. My business is that I need to reach out and get a hold of the power of God and let Him make the change in me. Because it's my character that needs to be changed. If the world is going to be changed, it won't be changed in mass. It will be changed individually. Every individual must make the change, or the change must be made in that individual. And that change is made through God's power. Now there's a couple of passages. One of these passages may surprise you. Matthew chapter 24, verse 30 says, He's talking about when the apostles are asking, whether, when is He coming back? And Jesus said, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. 
And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That's our word power. Now, a lot of people like to look at this and say, and you will hear it in religious circles a lot, because they teach a doctrine called millennialism, in which they believe that Jesus is going to come back to this earth, and he's going to take everybody by the ear and lead them along and stick them in a corner and put a dunce hat on their head and say, now get, get better. Get your, get your act straightened out. Get your life straightened out. Do better. He's going to make you better. That's never going to happen. Jesus came with power, and his power can make you better now. You're not going to be shoved into a corner, or you're not going to be herded up like a bunch of cattle somewhere, and, and God's not going to say, now you either get better, or I'm going to take care of you. That's not going to happen. You're not going to get better because you're under threat of ex extermination. You're going to get better because you're going to let the power of God come into your life and make you better. And that's what that's what said here. Jesus will come in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He came on the day of Pentecost, recorded in Acts chapter 2. He came with power. And he came into the hearts and minds of people who believed that he was the Christ. Let, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4 at verse 13. Paul said, I can do all things. Now, you know Paul is not talking about walking on water. He's not talking about flying like a bird through the air. He's talking about getting himself prepared so he can live with God. That he can go home and live in God's house. That's what he's talking about. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the underlying principles that we have here are the principles of faith. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 says, and what, what we're saying is, if you're struggling right now, and you, you, you have been doing pretty good so far, and you come into a crisis situation, where you're, let's, let's make it simple, you're on the freeway and somebody cuts you off, and you're getting ready to lose your temper. How do you stop that? How, do you, how does that get stopped? How do you overcome that impulse? We're going to be practical about this. Practical. You get into an argument with someone, all of a sudden, you get hot, and you say something you're going to regret. How do you stop that? How do you change that part of your character that says, don't do that. Don't fall into that trap. You're, you're, you're alone, and you're anxious, and things are overwhelming you, and you've been accustomed to drinking, but you've quit drinking. But now then, the, the impulse is there, and you're saying, man, if I just had a drink to soothe my nerves. It's, it's happy hour any time in the world, so why not have a happy hour now? Why not get something to dull my senses, my sensibilities, and make me feel better? You're facing that temptation. How do you stop it? That's what we're talking about. And let's get practical about it. How do I stop it? How do I stop from losing my temper? How do I stop from shouting when I shouldn't be shouting? How do I start from, stop from being jealous when I shouldn't be jealous? Envious when I shouldn't be envious? Greedy when I shouldn't be greedy? How do I stop that? 
Well, you can't. But somebody can. And you have to have faith in this person who can do that. Now, you say, well, Bill can help me. No, I can't. Well, who can help me? You know who can help you. His name is Jesus. Do you believe He can help you? There's the kicker, isn't it? Do you actually believe He can help you? Ephesians 3.17 That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That's the belief. Okay. So the, the, what, what we're talking about is the fact that Jesus has to be present in my life. He has to be there with me. Because He's the power I need. And I have to tap that power. And He's the power that will help me get over that. He may dwell in your hearts by faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. Okay. So now then, I have to depend upon Jesus to help me out of this crisis. And they come just like that. It's not something that just works up to it. It's not something that you can prepare yourself for, an invasion of temptations. It's something that just pops up. There it is. How do I, how do I stop that impulse? By faith, Jesus can help you do it. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We look unto Jesus. So, He can do that. We walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And then the, the Apostle says something that, that's kind of stunning. He said, examine yourself. Look at yourself. Don't look at me. Look at yourself. We, he said, examine yourself. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not. Don't you know how that Jesus Christ is in you? except you'd be reprobate, except you've been cast aside. Don't you know whether he's there or not? Sometimes we don't. So let's get practical, a little more practical. How does he get there? How does Jesus get in my heart? How does he set up his place of residence in me? How can I, when I'm in a situation of distress, how can I reach out and say, Lord, help me meet this challenge? Help me overcome my ten tendency to, to do wrong. Help me at this point because I'm facing this crisis. Well, the way he gets into your heart is through the Word. Now, that's very interesting, isn't it? Did you know that the Bible, the New Testament, the entire New Testament and by itself, if it was just by itself, has been translated into 2,200 different languages. People all over the world have access to Jesus Christ through the Word. The Old Testament just by itself was translated 700 times. But the New Testament, along with the Old Testament, but the New Testament by itself has been translated into 2,200 different languages. So we don't have an excuse, really. The Word has gone out. So if I want to know something about how I can believe in Jesus Christ... All I have to do is find me a copy of the Bible. They're not that hard to find, are they? People have given their lives so that I could have a translation of the Bible and I could read it. This has been going on for a long time. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, at verse 18 through 21, I'll read that one, then I'll read Hebrews chapter 4. 
It says, The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to the world. So the world says, Ha! You think Jesus can change you just because you read it in this book? And my reply is, Yes, I do. Because that's God's power. If I close the book, if I close the book, I close the power. He can't reach me. There's no way He can reach me. If I don't keep the Word open, if I don't open the door of my heart and the Word comes in, Jesus doesn't come in. That's where we're at with with the Gospel. And so He says, It is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? God has not made foolish, has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? After that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. That's the way Jesus gets into my life, is through the Word. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, The Word of God is quick. And powerful, the word quick means it's alive. Boy, that's a stunner. You open this book and start reading about Jesus and you start feeling something. If you open your heart, if you're just reading it through just for the, just for the purpose of reading it, it's not going to do anything. But if you open your heart, He will come in. It, will, it says it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even, even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Jesus, when He came to this earth, He stood before a bunch of people who should have known about God, but they didn't. And you know why? He said it very plainly in Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. He answered and said unto them, You do err. You're making a mistake. Not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. You don't know the Scriptures because that's the power of God. You've made a big mistake. I don't want to make that mistake. I want Jesus in my life and I need some power to make me a better person. I need to get ready because I'm going to go live with God. And I'm getting closer to that time. I'm going to be interested in seeing what's going on over there. But I want to be in His house when I get there. I want Him to say, come on in, Bill. I've been with you, now you be with me. Romans chapter 15, 13 says, The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers the Word. That's why the Word is alive. Because it's, it's the vessel of the Holy Spirit. Romans 1, 16 and 17, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As is it written, the just shall live by faith. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It makes me, it changes me, it, it, it changes me fundamentally in my character. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says, According as His divine power has given unto us everything that pertains unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So, I read a lot of passages. I read a lot of passages. And I read them for this reason. Because we have learned, we're Bible believers, we have learned, number one, it's possible with God's help, 
to make significant and fundamental changes in our character. Number two, Jesus is that source of the power that it takes to make the change. I want to get better. I want to improve. Forget about self-improvement. Think about Jesus' improvement. Secondly, He is our source of power. And third, the power to change is contained in the Word of God. Now, I'm driving down the road. And I'm going somewhere. I've got an appointment. I'm really sailing along. And I've just got a few minutes to get there. And it's important. Whatever the importance might be. It may be that I'm taking my bride to the hospital so she can have a baby. And I'm sailing along. And a car, the engine sputters, coughs, and I pull to the side of the road and I'm out of gas. You know what's that, what that's called? I'm out of power. I've lost power. So what do I do? Well, I have to run and get some gas, don't I? Hope that everything will go okay until I go get some gas and put some gas in the tank. Get some power. Sometimes when people get in desperate situations, you know what they do? And that was a desperate situation. That did happen, by the way. I didn't run out of gas. I just lost, lost the hospital. Our first baby. Couldn't find the hospital. I knew it was there because I'd been there several times that week. But that night, when the time came the baby was coming... Somehow the hospital, <laughs> hospital escaped me. We did make it. Now, the thing is, a lot of times when people get in a desperate situation, you know what they do? They say, well, let's get some power. So they flip open to the Bible, flip the Bible open and try to find a passage that applies. That's not going to work. That's not going to fill your tank. That's not going to give you the power that you need in order to overcome your character deficit. What we need to do, what we should do, what we have to do, in order to have the power working in us, is to be full of this Word. David said a long time ago in Psalms 119, verse 11, he said, I've hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Because when sin pops up, David thought about, well, this is, this is what God said about it, maybe I better do this. But it's even more powerful than that for us. We should read the Bible. We need to study the Bible. We need to meditate upon it. What I'm saying is, fill your tank with the power. Fill your tank with the Word. Put the Word in you. Find others that are reading and studying the Bible. Go to Bible classes. Listen to a sermon. Join a discussion group. Think about what you hear and read and make sure it comes from the gospel. Don't just take, because people say, well, we're going to have a Bible study. Make sure they're studying the Bible. Make sure they're studying the Word of God. Because Paul said, Galatians 1, 6-9, he says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. So be careful that you're getting the gospel, not what somebody thinks is the gospel. Because there are a lot of charlatans out there who want to promote something besides the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then, 
When we're doing that, make sure that you get acquainted with Jesus. Get acquainted with Jesus. Don't read the Bible just to find out whether you're right or wrong in your positions. Well, I, I think I'm right on this issue, and I'm right on that issue. I'm right on this. I've got this right. I've got that right. Find out about Jesus. He's the guy that's going to be there to help you when you're in trouble. If you got in a canoe, and you got out in, in the water, let's say, and there was a lady not long ago, even during this coronavirus thing, that her and her child, one of the Kennedys, if, if you remember, got in a canoe and got too far from shore. And they called SARS. You know what SARS is? Search and rescue. They, they couldn't find them. You know, you can get too far away from Jesus. Did you know that? If He's not with you in your house, if He's not with you, He's not going to come. He's not on a 911 call. If you get in trouble, temptation-wise, and you can't say that God has tempted you because He, he doesn't tempt you, but every man's tempted when He's drawn away His own lust, and, and when lust conceives, it brings forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. That's found in James 1, 13-50. When that happens... It, it's not, we, we just can't say, oh Lord, help us right now. If He's not with you, where is He? he he's not on a 911. He's not sitting somewhere in a house waiting for you to call. He's, he's got to be with you. He's got to be in your house. He's got to be present with you. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. He dwells in our heart by faith. He's not there by accident. He's there on purpose. He lives with me. He lives in my heart. If I call for Him and He isn't there, it's because He's not at home. Jesus said in John chapter 8, there's some fellows that wanted to know where He lived. I'm not sure where the verse is. 13 or 14 somewhere. They wanted to know where Jesus lived. They said, we're, we're going to come stay with you. And you know what Jesus said? He said, the Son of Man has not any, doesn't have any place to live. He, he said it this way. He says, the birds of the trees have nests and the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man does not have any place to lay His head. You know the only place that Jesus lays His head? In your heart. That's where He lays His head. If you get in trouble and Jesus is there, He's going to stand up beside you and you're going to be able to overcome whatever the problem is that you're having at that time. And He'll help you defeat the devil. Flipping over, open the Bible and looking for a passage is not going to do it. And crying out in prayer is not going to do it. What will do it is having fuel in the tank. Fuel in the tank. Having the power through the Word because that's how Jesus comes into your life. And also, staying in touch with that power. He's the power. I, I did a lot of work in the carpentry industry for a while. And toward the end of my career in carpentry, we switched over from plug-in tools to cordless tools, which meant that they were battery-operated. And sometimes, when I was involved in a, in a project that I needed to get finished, I would, I would use one of these power tools and it died, quit. 
Ran out of juice. No power. Don't run out of juice. Don't run out of power. Keep your battery charged. Keep your tank full. And you will be able to tap that power that God has given you in Jesus Christ through the Word, and you'll have all you need to get you through your crisis. God help you do that.